You've got elements, this little bowl up there and this one on the table. It is a process, the opening, isn't it? <laughs> Glory to God. That song. <laughs> that song. Uh, that chorus, <laughs> uh, it actually undoes me. <laughs> because it was the sinless, spotless Son of God. Full of grace and mercy. Hmm. That gave himself so we could be here. And that's why we're here. We're here. Because of what he did. Now we can we can look at all the reasons why you come to church. <laughs> but we're here in relationship with Jesus Christ because of what this communion represents. Because of what he did. He brought us from death to life. <laughs> As, as beautiful as little children are, <laughs> they're born once, <laughs> they need to be born again. And that's the condition of humanity, that we are all born in that state of being separated from our Heavenly Father. But Jesus fixed that problem. That problem's not actually a problem anymore in that we have free access by accepting what he did. By saying, yes, Lord, I know that I had been separated from you. I know that I was born into sin. But by your sacrifice, I know that my sins are forgiven. And that I have a relationship with the Father. <laughs> There's nothing greater. There's nothing greater. So would you like to stand? Jesus said that when you, as often as you do this, <laughs> do it in remembrance of me.
Remember what he has done. Remember where he has brought you from. Remember that he gave himself totally, totally, didn't hold anything back so that you could be made whole. Let's eat. You know, the Bible says that there's life in the blood, and the life is in the blood. And when we partake, we partake of his life. So let's drink together. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. We have some uh, people not with us this morning. Um, there's uh, a number out at out at the uh, Axdale camp, the Rotary camp out there. The fire camp is happening, the Christ for All Nations fire camp. Um, so you've you've heard me give updates on uh, on that or the lead up to it. They were looking. The last camp was in in Sydney, and. Uh, and then the Christ for All Nations people, which was, that's, that was, they prayed. Bendy. <laughs> Mandarang there, I think. And, uh, so they were looking to get, they thought 50 students would be amazing. Um, well, there's 75 students out there for the camp. Um, so catering for 100 people. So... Mel and Coral are in the in the kitchen, um, out there. Uh, is Rhoda out there? Rhoda's out there in the kitchen. <laughs> so we're we're feeding the masses. Um, we've got a couple of people who are students. Uh, Beck and, and Tanya are out there as students. And there's going to be an impartation from the people who are, uh, are teaching, who are all evangelists, uh, into those students. And there's going to be an impact. <laughs> In, in this city and, uh, and I was saying the, the, this morning um, that it's not it's you know we, we can't sort of put it all onto oh this is a camp happening and these people are going to impact the city great it's for each and every one of us to be a part of what God's doing um, so just be um, be praying through the through the week if you would um for for that for what's happening out there that um the people who have have put up aside those eight days to um to uh to get filled <laughs> get filled <laughs> with all that god has for them and 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 sets them on their on their way hallelujah well, i'm gonna um i'm gonna change change jobs here Thanks, Dad. So, um, for those of you who have been here uh, last week and I think the week before, 
We've been doing a little fun little thing called our summer series, and we what we do is we interview one of our church family here and um, get to know a little bit about their story, maybe something that we didn't know already, and also uh, kind of what their God journey's been like and what he's done in their life. So I am have the pleasure this morning of uh, interviewing Lyndon. So if Lyndon, you want to... Come up on these chairs with me. Thank you, sir. No worries. Thank you for agreeing to uh, sit in these chairs. In the hot seat. In the hot seat. <laughs> it doesn't feel very hot yeah. looking it does to me. at all these wonderful people. <laughs> um, so, Lyndon, I want to start off uh, with with an easy one. <laughs> an easy one. Tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, um, your life, something about you that people may not know. Mm. Um, there's lots of things <laughs> um, people may not know about me. Um, I enjoy spearfishing. That's uh, something I I enjoy doing. Maybe not too many people know that, but yeah, that's one thing I like. So, um, what else? What else? What? Tell us a little bit about your uh, where, where you come from, where what you what you've. Uh... So, uh, grew up in Bendigo, Golden Square. Um, yeah, we've uh, always been to church. Mum, and Dad took us to church um, out at Long Gully CRC there. So. Um, yeah, grew up there and it was a great little church, much like this church actually. So uh, yeah, that was really good. Um, there's lots to... Uh, what else? <laughs> what do you spend your time doing? Um, enjoy outdoor pursuits, uh, fishing, hunting, that sort of thing. Um, skiing, uh, enjoy spending time with the boys and my wife, um, doing camping trips and that sort of thing, so, yeah. What about for work? Uh, I work for myself as a plumber, so, um, yeah, fix most things with uh, duct tape and silicon, <laughs> so, and zip ties. <laughs> so, if anyone has a clogged toilet or anything, you're the man yeah. to call, is yeah, that no, right? No, not at all. <laughs> I don't deal with toilets. <laughs> <laughs> great, great, great. Um, well, tell me a little bit about your Jesus story. How did you meet Jesus? Um... Well, as, yeah, we grew up in church, so, oh, well, I grew up in church, and, um, yeah, it's just one of those, uh, just a gradual thing. I think I gave my life to Jesus many times, one of those things, you know, you uh, continue to recommit your life as you grow up. Um, yeah, so, there was no, I think, I think I was 12 when I got baptised, so that was, that was uh, something that's, that sticks in my mind. Um, yeah, but I, I would say around six or seven, I, was, I gave my heart to, to Christ. So, yeah. And when, when did you think that your, your personal relationship with him really, really took hold? Um, would have been high school. Yeah, where you sort of... You get to those crossroads where you're around your friends and, you know, they're talking about this and, and you've got to, 
you make a stand, I guess. You, you, you decide what, what you're going to really believe um, and what's true and what's not. And, and so that was a time, probably, probably 14, I think. I really, yeah, 14 going on 15 is when I really sort of, yeah, made a stand and, and this is what I believe and, and yeah, went from there. That's great. One of my favourite questions to ask is what, what's something God's done in your life? What, what is something that you couldn't have done without him? Uh, everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, just everything, I suppose. Like, it's just, he, he's your guide. Like, it, the word of God, it just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the map for life, as Colin Buchanan <laughs> talks about. Um, it's a map for life so I mean yeah he's he's you you know you know the difference from right and wrong and you know um, yeah you it just gives you a clear picture of of life and and where to go and and um, yeah yeah that's great no that's good yeah what's something you couldn't have done without him yeah yeah everything everything yeah and and it really is I mean there was a stage in my life where I become a an unbelieving believer um where you sort of believed but you didn't really submit yourself to to the word and and what it really said um and then you get to the point where it's you realize that uh you can't actually like you can do life but not really like there's lots of people that do life without without God, without Christ, but you can't really do it um, with true life. There's not, there's not that true life. You don't have that true understanding of, mm. of life. Yep. And that only comes through, through Christ. So. Yeah, it works best when you're all in. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Can't be on the fence. Yep. Yeah. Love yep. it. Well, thanks, Lyndon. That's very three easy. That wasn't too bad, was it? No, no, that was all good. <laughs> no, that's good. I hope you learned something about Lyndon. And um, I want to. One reason we do these is it's to really encourage our church family to go a little bit deeper in our conversations and really uh, actually ask people what 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 is what has God done in your life? What does your life look like? What is something that I don't know about you? Be curious with each other, and um, and that's going to only lead to deeper connections and um, a better time together. Cool? Amen. Thanks, Linda. Amen. How are we doing this morning? Feeling good? Yeah? Yeah, great. Great. I've got uh, a little something I want to share for our offering just before um, before we get into the Word. But I might just pray before we start that. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be here with the purpose of knowing you, getting to know you deeper, spending time with you, with other people. Lord, we count that as a privilege and an honour. Father, I ask as we, as we hear your word, Lord, that you would write it on our hearts. Father, you would unpack it like a gift. 
and teach us. Lord, we just want to be close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, just a little bit of an encouragement in our, around our offering this morning. If you've got your Bibles, you can, you can turn to Proverbs. And the verse I'm going to read is uh, Proverbs 22 and verse 9. It says, he who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. This really stuck out to me as I was reading through Proverbs. And I think it's a picture of what a generous Christian, it's one one of the puzzle pieces of what a generous Christian, a generous follower of Jesus looks like. I'll read it again, Proverbs 22 and verse 9. It says, He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives his bread to the poor. To have a generous eye, what does that mean, to have a generous eye? It means to be actively looking for where we can give from what we have. It is, a, is an action on our part of seeking where is a need that I can fill? And I love that. I love that picture. That proverb says so much in, in so few words, as many, as many of them do. But to get and the part of the journey and to get to the place that where that is just natural, you know, you might think about that and go, oh, yeah, that'd be nice if I had $10 million. I'd do that every day. But part of the journey of getting there is... To actually step back a couple of steps and go, do I trust the Lord with what I have? Because you cannot be generous and you cannot have a, have a, a default position of looking for what, you can, uh, what need you can meet and what you can give if you are not already trusting the Lord as your source, as your provider. Yeah. We'll never be that picture. We'll never experience that unless we release what we have right now and trust God as the one who all of our, all of our things come from, who gives us the power to get wealth, who, who provides everything we need and not looking to our earthly, uh, earthly employment as our, as our provider. It says in uh, just a couple of verses back in Proverbs 22, 4, it says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Now, we can read all these things, but I want us to question ourselves this morning. Do we, is this real? Are we prepared to actually make this a real experience in our life rather than reading it and going, Oh, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> How honourable that sounds. <laughs> and not actually consider what it looks like to live that. What does it look like to live that? It says, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honour in life. That's our starting point. Is <laughs> the Lord. That's our focus. Is the Lord. The Bible is full of 
ways and explanations and descriptions of how if we start with our focus on the Father and our pursuit of Him, that everything else falls into place. Everything is so much easier (laughs) when our focus is Him first. Because when you have a focus on Him, the problems, the challenges, they all still come. But you're not they're not what you are focused on. So they are so much smaller. They are so much smaller and much easier to deal with when we have our focus on him and not those things around us. I'll just finish with Matthew 6. Matthew 6 and verse 30. It's, um, it will be a, a familiar, probably a familiar passage and it's just at the end of, of what Jesus is saying in this little little section of his um, little sermon here. But it says in Matthew 6 and verse 30, Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That's just another one of the... One of the uh, Gifts that God has given us to help guide us, to say, and encouragement to say, look, if you have your focus on my kingdom and me, then I know everything you need. And, and sometimes we can, we can have a bit of a, uh, oh, you know, like a, a, a lacking kind of lens on that verse. And we go, oh, yeah, well, if... If God, if I seek first the kingdom, then I'll, you know, I might have one pair of clothes, maybe two, because I need to wash them um, during the week. Maybe you get a couple of days out of some clothes, and you, you might have a maybe a basic meal. I might have one meal. You know, what's the minimum required for life? It's not saying that. It's not saying that. Don't worry, you'll have. God will give you the minimum needed to live if you seek first His kingdom. You will never be more generous than God. We need to bring our thinking and our expectations into line with who God is and his nature. If we seek first his kingdom, he's not going to give us, you know, a a good father doesn't give a stone when the bread is required. He is a much better father than any father who has ever lived. And his word is full of, of... encouragement and instruction in being generous and, uh, and, and trusting us with resources so that we can do kingdom work, right? And that's, that's his heart for us. It's not to give us the minimum required to live, but to, have, to give us uh, life abundantly, overflowing, so that we can do the things that he's called us to do and, and show the world his kind of generosity. Amen? Yeah, that's cool. So let's practice our trust this morning by giving. 
If you give online, then you may have already done that or it may be automatically set up if you're really clever. Uh, but if you've got some physical stuff, then there's a, a post box up the back there that you can give into. But I'm just going to pray before we invite Pastor Tim back up. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, for the instructions that you've given us that lead into a relationship with you, that lead into a good and overwhelmingly amazing life. Father, I thank you that your desires for us go beyond our imagination. Lord, I just ask that you lead us. You lead us and continue to lead us in that. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Swap again. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, prayer is part of, of, of our Christian walk, isn't it? How often do we pray? <laughs> the Bible says pray continually. And um, I just want to give a, a, a little bit of an encouragement or have a little bit of a look um, at, at prayer this morning. And because if we're, if we're honest, um, you, you might be a prayer warrior and, and, and glory to God, thank you, we need lots of prayer warriors, <laughs> but you might, you might, you may be, you might find sometimes it's difficult to pray or sometimes you just don't get to it or sometimes it's, you know, you're praying, you think, what was that all about? Is, is, is anybody... Thinking, yeah, maybe, yeah, if we're honest. <laughs> so James chapter 5, verse 16, this is the King James Version. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And uh, the old English, you, you might be thinking, well, speak English to me. Okay, so the new King James Version says, the effective, comma, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much and if you if you know me I like to look at the words that are in verses and what what what's it actually saying what what does what does it mean so effectual to be active and efficient who knows that a prayer doesn't have to be long Some people are good at long prayers and they sound very eloquent and lovely and it's not what it's about. Efficient, I like efficient prayers. Now, this is just by the way. Sometimes with our, with our um, versions of the Bible, it, you know, things get added. That little comma in... The New King James Version, the effective, comma, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. In the original, it's the effective, fervent prayer, no comma. Because effectual means to be active, efficient and fervent. That's what it means. So the effectual, fervent, it's, it's, it's not two separate things. It's actually one. 
availeth. The effective righteous prayer of a, of a, of a sorry, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Availeth means to have or exercise force. So when we pray, if we're praying with our with the understanding of, of what God has given us, there is a force that is applied. There is a force that is released. And the word righteous appears in, in both those versions. Righteous. Now, sometimes we think of righteous be, is, is like righteous, or, well, it's doing the right thing. It's the right ways of, of, of God. That's not actually what the definition of that word in Scripture means. That word righteous means equitable in act or character. By implication, innocent and holy. Equitable in character or act. Equitable or equal with who? Equal with who? Equitable in character with who? If it actually means innocent and holy, well, it must mean equitable in character of the Holy One. Kate abused the verse there, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and to be equitable in character and therefore in what we do with him and look for i could i could say this to some christians and and they'd they would say oh no i'm a sinner i'm just a sinner saved by grace well if you're a sinner get saved you may be a, you were a sinner you have been saved by grace now let's operate in what god has given us the position that he's put us in the amplified bible in that verse says the earnest heartfelt continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available dynamic in its working that word dynamic what words come from there dynamite boom dynamic dynamo all has the same base word there is tremendous power available for the one who knows what the source of their prayer or who's backing up their prayer and the Passion Translation says, Tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. <laughs> a godly believer. A godly believer. Now, there's just a couple of points that I want to bring out of, of this verse and then I'll put it back into the context of, of where it came from in, in James. So two points. First point. You've heard of the expression, use it or lose it? Yep, we've heard that one. Yeah, use it or lose it. Okay, if, you, if you're not going to 
Do something with what you've got. Don't expect to keep it. It, it speaks of, of growth by reason of use or the opposite through inactivity, whatever that activity might be. So if we're not going to use what we've got, we're going to lose something along the way. I'll take the example of, 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 of muscles, building muscle. You build muscle through use and resistance. That's why it's called weight resistance training. If you've got resistance and you're actually putting some force into it, you will build muscle. That's how it works. That's how it works. So the more resistance, the greater the growth. And sometimes we think, well, you know, I've got... I'm a Christian, everything should be going well. I've got, this, I've, got this, I've got this opposition, I've got this resistance. Yeah, you're growing. You're growing as you push through that resistance. We are called to be overcomers. And if we haven't got anything to overcome, how can we be overcomers? We get to overcome works of the enemy. You can't wish to get stronger. You've got to work at it consistently, and that's one of the, one of the, uh, one of the words in one of those verses, in the Amplified. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer, continued consistency of a righteous man. So I could, you know, I could, I could wish to to. To, to get stronger or get fitter, or if I'm not going to do anything, there's nothing's going to happen. It's not going to happen. There's actually there's a, there's a, a, a work to be done there. With our prayer, we could say, well, I, I, you know, I wish I was a, a good prayer, or I wish my prayers were more effective. Well, actually, if we're not actually applying what God has given us, not going to happen. The effectiveness of our prayer life grows as we are consistent in it. As we're consistent in our prayer life, our prayer life grows. Now, someone might say, well, I pray, but I, I, I never seem to get an answer or, 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 you know, nothing happens and I get discouraged and all of that. Well, that brings me to the second point. We need to be consistent in it, but we must understand righteousness. It is his character in us, and we have his character in us. If we don't understand righteousness, if we don't understand what we've been given by the Lord Jesus Christ through his death and resurrection and our acceptance of what he's done, if we don't understand and accept the righteousness that he has made available, his righteousness living in us and operate out of that knowledge, then, no, we're not going to be effective. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I often like to focus on that word all. It's a very little word, isn't it? What does it encompass? 
Everything. Everything. So in my Bible, I've, and I don't know where it's come from, but I've, I've written it down on, on the bottom. We have a new heart, a new spirit, <laughs> a new nature, new expectation. We have a new mind. We have a new tongue. We have a new song. We have a new beginning. We have a new name. <laughs> we have a new identity. We have a new desire. And we have a new destiny. All things. All things. Hallelujah. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Passed away. Dead. It says when we baptise, we are, we are buried in Christ and raised to newness of life. Behold, all things have become new. So as a believer, we have him. If we've accepted him, we have him. The only question is, does he have us? Does he have us? We've received Christ, but have we given him full access? That's our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our spirit is a done deal. Our spirit is regenerated. Our spirit is good. But, you know, there is that, that, that battlefield of the mind and there is that transformation process that happens by the word of God, by his spirit, that transforms us to be and to be able to express fully what he's done in our spirit. Now, the enemy has no new tricks. You, you, you understand that. We can read in Scripture and see what he's done before, and he's not going to do... He's got no new tricks. He's fairly limited. All he can do is to get you to partner with his lies. He is a liar and the father of them, the Scripture says. So when the devil speaks, he speaks a lie. When he came to, to Eve, he made a suggestion to her that God hadn't actually said. That was a lie. And then he came out and said, well, you know, God's telling you. He's not telling you the whole truth, which was a lie. What did she do? She partnered with that and, and disobeyed God. And here we are. So the enemy has no new tricks. All he can do is get you to partner with his lies. When we allow a thought to exalt itself that is contrary to what God has said, we partner with a lie and empower the liar. It's the only way the enemy can get you to be outside of the will of God is when you believe something that is contrary and then act upon that that's outside of what God has said. You know, someone might say, well, you know, I, I, I can't do anything. You know, you know how we get those, those down moments and think, oh, I, I'm hopeless, I can't do anything, I'm, I'm useless, why did God choose me, blah, 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 all that stuff. Well, the scripture says, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ 
who strengthens me. So which one's right? Old sorry self that said, well, I can't do anything. Or what scripture we have in scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, what are the all things? Whatever God is asking you to do. Whatever God is leading you in, you to do in particular, doesn't mean that, oh, I can be an astronaut. Well, if God's not leading you into that, well, no. But if God, whatever God is leading you into, you can do. You can do it because you've got the one inside you who has the force to bring that about. We've got to trust him. We've got to trust him. And with this whole area of righteousness, and it, look, it might be today, it might be something that is it, it's challenged you, the thought of you being righteous. Someone might say, well, I'm, I'm a sinner, I'm, I'm not righteous. But what does the scripture say? God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So which one's right? Which one do you agree with? Do you agree with, yeah, I'm just a sinner. I don't get it right. Or do you agree with what the scripture says? That God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Yeah, it's not outside of it's not outside of him. It's in him. Those who are in Christ. We've got to be in Christ. You can't do it independently. You can't do it your own righteousness will not cut it. But his righteousness that he's given you. When we believe and, and, and operate in that. And it's about believing. It's where we put our mouth. It's where we put our tongue. It's what we allow, what thoughts we allow to go through our mind. It's, it's, it's the thoughts that, that go through our mind that we grab a hold of that aren't in line with the Word of God and bring into subjection to the Word of God. That's where the power comes from. So let's, let's read James. James chapter 4. Now, ladies, you're going to be um, doing a study on the book of James. And uh, that will be very exciting. James is such a wonderful book. I've, I've heard it described as the, um, the Proverbs of the New Testament. There's so many practical aspects of wisdom that are in the book of James that my goodness (laughs) it's just all there so James chapter 4 I'm just going to I'll start in verse I'll read um, James chapter 4 verse 7 this is where it this is where it has to this is where it has to sit this is where it has to land James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near 
to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, <laughs> and purify your hearts, you double-minded. What's double-minded mean? It's the thoughts that the, the, the Word of God and the thoughts that are contrary to the Word of God and we're, and we're playing with both of those. Double-minded doesn't work. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's, it's talking about humility before God. It's always our starting point. And not only our starting point, that has to be something that continues on through everything that we're doing. It's humility before God. Always. Always. If that's in operation, if we are humble before God, then God could do what he wants. He can actually do what he wants because when he speaks to you, you will say, Yes, Lord, even if it's not something that you want to do particularly. Not my will, but your will be done. That's humility before God. So let's put this, um, this verse from James back in its, its, um, its context. So James chapter 5, and I'll start in verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing, sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When you put it back in that, in that context, boy, that's, that's asking actually for some vulnerability. That's asking for, for relationship and vulnerability in relationship that we would be actually able to say to a um, a. a a brother, if, if you're a man, a sister in the Lord, I'm having trouble in this area. Will you pray for me? We uphold one another in all of this. And then James uses an example. Verse 17, the, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months and he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. So James actually uses an Old Testament example of the power of prayer. How much more firepower have we got as a New Testament believer? How much more firepower do we have? Do you believe that? Because that's where it comes back to, doesn't it? Do we actually believe it? If we believe it, we will be consistent in our prayer. And the enemy, look, the enemy, the 
I said, he's got no new tricks, but he keeps, he keeps throwing the old ones out at us all the time. He, he's, not, he's not going to stop until you get to the point where you are so convinced in your heart, so it's, a, it's not knowledge, it's not an information, it's actually a revelation in your heart <laughs> on a particular area. When it becomes a revelation in your heart, You've resisted the devil, you've submitted to God, you've resisted the devil, and he will flee from you. <laughs> and he will go and find somebody else that's going to give him some airtime. It's a progression, it's a growth, it's something that we grow in. But you know, As we continue, as we are consistent, as we are effectual in our prayer life, we are going to grow stronger. As we understand and accept what Jesus Christ has done for us, stop looking to yourself and and. and, and Put your eyes on Jesus. <laughs> when we continually do that, our prayer life is going to explode. We are going to be able to pray and see. We are going to be able to pray, and it's, you know, praying in the will of God. Yep. And as we're praying in the will of God, God's will will be done. I'm excited because I see in Scripture what happens through many examples in the New Testament of prayers that were prayed and the results that came. And, you know, the, the, the glory of the latter house, it says, will be, will be greater than the former. What we see in the book of Acts, what we see in the New Testament, as powerful as that was, at the end of the age, it's, it's, it's going to be more powerful. There's going to be more things. Hallelujah. So, take those couple of thoughts, particularly the thought in righteousness, because as we accept what Jesus Christ has done, and who lives within us. As we accept that, that will, actually, that will actually help the other area. We will want to pray. We will be hungry to pray. And, uh, and as we exercise those spiritual muscles, let's just see what God's going to do. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you that the, for the righteousness that comes from you. Lord, that you freely gave. Lord, that we don't deserve, but you gave it anyway. Everything that you have, you've made available for us. And Lord, we just so thank you for it. Father, we ask that you would uh, lead us by your Holy Spirit. As we ask, as we ask for wisdom, 
and, uh, and look to your Holy Spirit as we ask to know what to pray for, that you would lead us and guide us. And Lord, that the effects of those prayers that you've put upon our heart to pray, backed up by the power of your Holy Spirit, <laughs> would change this world, would change our environments, would change the, the people that, that, that uh, you've put upon our heart to pray for, that the circumstances, all things, all things. It's all on the table. There's nothing that's off the table for you, Lord. So, Father, we just ask that you would lead us and guide us and cause us, Lord, to, to understand your will and humble ourselves before it. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah, so how was that word, church? That was pretty good. Um, yeah, I just want to share a couple of things, a couple of pictures I had during worship. One was a picture of a um, mouse in a wheel. Just run, 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 run. And the other one was a picture of a person on a treadmill and just walking and walking and walking. And the words that come with that was that uh, life can be like that. You expend a lot of energy, put in a lot of hard work, you get puffed out, but you go nowhere without Christ in your life. So that was yeah, just what I had in worship. Uh, so now we're, with that, we'll kick into some announcements. Uh, but first of all, um, welcome to those new faces up the back there. I should have done that at the start, but yeah. So to the church family, uh, yeah, make yourself known to them. Uh, other announcements, well, uh, all the church stuff will kick off in February when school starts, the men's, the women's, but we don't have to wait for those dates to uh, ring up somebody and say day and get a cuppa. I mean, and speaking of the coffee, it's not happening today because it's gone for a visit out to the uh, camp. <laughs> so, yeah, the coffee machine is evangelising out there. So, uh, yeah, so we've had yeah, no, no coffee, but that's life. So, don't, but, don't, but, uh, mind. Yep. Uh, be a family, and get to know someone on a different level. All right, so, yeah, let's uh, go our separate ways and meet up or again or whatever and take Christ with us. Thank you.